Hello and welcome to Ladies in Red, an Arsenal women's podcast. We have the final two games of 2023 to discuss. Where has the time gone this year, my God? A North London Derby doubleheader, once in the Conti Cup and then again in the WSL. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dwell on those games too much. But whoever wished for a white Christmas, I think you have a lot of questions to answer this year. Okay, <laughs> uh, before we get into those games, though, I really want to take a moment to reflect on a huge year, not just for Arsenal, but for women's football in general it has been a massive year we've seen the game reach new heights bigger audiences than we ever anticipated so there's plenty to unpack there it was a calendar packed year or a calendar year packed I mean with highs and lows in every respect of the game obviously we'll be focusing on Arsenal we'll look back on how last season ended and the summer of World Cup excitement stellar signings for the club and of course we had that Champions League disappointment we'll do a mid-season review of where the girls are at now with the winter break upon us have they given themselves a fighting chance to be in uh, contention come the end of the year to break Chelsea's consecutive WSL glory run or will that task fall to Manchester United again as it did last season and will we be left scrapping for third place and a chance to qualify for Europe guess we're just going to have to wait and see we'll also have a look ahead to January our first few games back and discuss some transfer news and rumours that has been flying around you can never escape it so that's plenty plenty to talk about as you can hear my voice is a little bit croakier, shall we say. Uh, there's been a lot of traveling, a lot of catching up with people over the past week, hence the delay in getting this podcast out. But nevertheless, plenty to discuss. And yeah, let's get straight into it. So going back to the start of 23, uh, obviously we're in the middle of the 22-23 season. But um, yeah, there's not much to say there other than we had a really strong start to, the, to that season. But two massive injuries came. Um, towards the latter end of 2022, which obviously plagued the start of 2023 for the Gunners. Beth Mead and Vive Miedema picking up ACL injuries a month apart from each other or so. Um, yeah, and, you know, obviously we know what happened there, but missing two of our massive, massive players, you know, the most important players that we have. We were in the running for all four competitions still. Uh, we had finished top of our Champions League group with a very strong start in the WSL also going into the Christmas break in second position. So I think the 22-23 season started super, super well. But yeah, if you just think, had we not have had those injuries, where would we have been? Because I think they really, really negatively impacted how the mood in the camp was for 2023. Unfortunately, it took us a bit of time to get back to winning ways. And for the majority of the second half of the season, we fluctuated between third and fourth in the WSL between Champions League qualification and not. Some major standout moments in the league include our victory over Man City at Meadow Park thanks to a Katie McCabe screamer which not only won the game for Arsenal but it was also named goal of the season. The game finished 2-1 and it was basically the decider and who would qualify for the chance to play in the Champions League in the 22-23 season. In terms of domestic cups, well we had the Conti Cup and the FA Cup and it was a pretty similar story I have to say we took on Chelsea in the fifth round of the FA Cup, but lost. However, we did get our revenge over the Blues in March, beating them in the Conti Cup final and securing our only piece of silverware for the season. No spoiler intended there, but we all know how that ended. Um, Champions League, oh my God, it was an absolute roller coaster of a journey. You know, despite the the very late heartbreak that came in the 
semi-final against Wolfsburg. It is a journey that I look back very, very fondly on. After topping our group, we faced Bayern in the quarterfinal and won 2-1 on aggregate, thanks to an absolutely outrageous goal from Frieda Manum. And I think about this goal all the time. Um, goal of the season for me, absolutely, even ahead of... K- and we, we all know I'm a Katie McCabe fan, but that goal was something special. Team play, it was phenomenal. After we faced Wolfsburg in the semi-final in what can only be described as a footballing match for the ages... Um, of course, we did come away from that game. And the first game was a draw, uh, the first leg in Germany, but then we played in the Emirates Stadium. It was all to play for there with over 60,000 in attendance. And it's one of the records for Champions League, only behind Barca, who have, you know, 98,000 or something crazy as a record. But that game for me, it will always, always, always stand out in my head as one of the greatest Champions League moments for the club, not just the women's team, but for the club. It's up there with, for example, Barcelona back in, was it 2012? It was a monstrous performance. You think of all the injuries we had, how difficult it was for us in the league at that time, and we're able to go up against the Giants of Wolfsburg. Um, The game did obviously end, I believe it was, 3-1 3-1 if I'm not uh, 3-2 if I'm not mistaken um they went ahead and we were able to pull back in the 90 something minute thanks to Jen, Jen Beatty uh big Jen Beatty up front the center center back um oh god it was great and uh one thing I always remember is her absolutely flattening Alex Pop absolutely hilarious but you know in the nine uh, it was 119th minute when Wolfsburg got their winner and look there was some monstrous uh, defending from Wu Moy in that game. And unfortunately, she made an error, which I'm not going to say cost the game. But it, it, like I said, we were playing with a very thin squad up against giant in Wolfsburg. And of course, the result was disappointing. I think realistically, would if we had got to the final, we would not have beaten Barcelona. Absolutely not. But it's a game that I'm very proud of. And it really you know, showed me how important women's football is and how much of trailblazers, I suppose, the Arsenal women's team are in terms of getting those crowds there and getting that atmosphere and the involvement in the women's game in in England. And that was phenomenal. So for me, that was definitely the highlight of the season. Despite losing the game, it was, of course, that Champions League run, our amazing performance in the group stages in 2022. Uh, beating Leon 5-1 at home 5-2 at home I can't remember exactly the result now but just that Champions League run for me was the absolute creme de la creme of the season um, and probably that game was probably the highlight for me also um, like I said we only picked up one title there but I think with the injuries also I forgot to mention as well we had Leah Williamson out uh, Laura Wienreuter, um, who else also, yeah, Kim Little were missing so many players. They're just the long-term injuries as well. We had other short-term injuries, suspensions. And of course, despite all that, we were able to go up until basically the very, very end against the Giants of Europe. Wolfsburg obviously made it difficult for Barcelona in the Champions League final. They went two goals ahead in the first half, but Barcelona came back to win uh, 3-2 overall. I'm a massive fan of the Barcelona women's team. I watched them almost as much as the Arsenal um, women. They're a phenomenal, phenomenal team. And I think they deserve to win. And like I said, I think had Arsenal got to the final, it would have been more disappointment and heartbreak. So at least we end out very valiantly against Wolfsburg. 
So following the relatively disappointing end to the season, we did have a summer of the World Cup to look forward to. Now, the World Cup was being held in Australia and New Zealand. It was the ninth and largest World Cup to date in terms of number of teams involved and also the interest that it received. Interest peaked particularly in Australia, one of the host nations, with the Matildas reaching the semifinals and finishing fourth overall. That semifinal game was actually the most watched television broadcast in Australian history crazy. In the lead up to the tournament, more kits representing the Australian women's team were sold than that of the men's nationals team for the first time ever. By the end of the tournament, the Matildas had become Australia's most valuable sporting team with the worth of their branding increasing fivefold. Now, it's no surprise, really. They were phenomenal. They did very, very well. They exceeded everyone's expectations getting to the semi-final and, of course, missing out narrowly on that bronze medal against Sweden in the third place playoff. Uh, Steph Catley actually wore the captaincy for the majority of the tournament with Sam Kerr out injured and she scored in Australia's opening game against Ireland. Caitlin Ford also played exceptionally well but what else would we expect from her and it was probably the first time a lot of us would have seen Kyra Cooney cross play and for such a young player she made that midfield position her own and it was no surprise really that when Arsenal went in together a lot of people were happy with that signing because she looked so good over the summer in the World Cup. Other standout Arsenal moments, well, of course, I have to say it, Katie McCabe's goal against Canada for Ireland. Ireland's first ever World Cup goal, and it had to be our Katie going in straight from the corner. Honestly, I was watching um, a documentary last night that the FA produced, and just looking back at that goal gave me such goosebumps. What an incredible moment. And it had to to be Katie. There's no other way around it. It just had to be Katie. Unfortunately, Ireland would be eliminated when that game ended 2-1 in favour of Canada. But regardless, it was a very proud moment and an honour to be a part of the competition with Katie representing us as our captain. Also have to mention, of course, uh, Amanda Illestadt, another of our summer signings who picked up a bronze medal with Sweden. And despite Playing as a centre-back, she was her country's top scorer, netting four goals, three of which came from headers. In the competition in total, just one goal behind Golden Boot winner Miyazawa for Japan, which is pretty incredible. And obviously, I think one of the reasons why she she picked up a nod in the um, Ballon d'Or ceremony, both her and Katie McCabe, so... Obviously, uh, the World Cup had a lot to do with that. But for me, one of the moments of the tournament had to be Lena Herting knocking out the US on penalties. My God. Um, one of the most bizarre, crazy penalty shootouts that I've ever seen. Sweden played very, very well there. They defended valiantly. They were so, so good. And yeah, it was a, definitely a strange tournament for the US. Um, it's no surprise, really, that we're seeing Hema Hayes go over there following their string of pretty underwhelming performances and results and I think this is definitely one of the main reasons why um they're investing so much to get the top manager in the let's be let's be honest the top manager in the world really over there to help them sort it out um of course it wasn't all rosy and happy the tournament we had some amazing moments but we did see a lot of controversies leading up to um leading up to the world cup issues with the nigerian canadian and jamaican teams and their federations no conflict however was more highlighted than that of spain spain obviously went on to win the competition rightly so i thought they were phenomenal despite missing some very big names like mappy leon due to issues with the managerial board and the running of the team of course, the major talking point of the summer was Rubiales, the head of the Spanish FA, who kissed Jenny Hermoso when the girls were collecting their medals, celebrating their win. 
it must have been one of the happiest moments of their careers, one of the most celebrated days of their life. Uh, their victory was overshadowed by the inappropriate behavior of a man at the head of an organization that they had expressed their dissatisfaction with previously. Their pleas to improve the situation had been ignored and it wasn't until, to be honest, everything got so far out of hand that it was <laughs> shown live on a, uh, international television that... Um, yeah, it was really the outcry of, of the people watching and and the players didn't really react that much, but it was a shocking, disgusting thing that happened. And unfortunately, it was one of those necessary evils that brought about the change in the Spanish um, FA that is that was obviously well overdue. Terrible moment, but it does show the power that we have when everyone's watching the game, that change can happen. And... Like I said, it should never, ever take away from the fact that Spain won the World Cup, their first World Cup. Um, some amazing players there. We had Alexia Puteas back from her ACL injury, which saw her out of the Euros last season. Aitana Badmadi, who is hands down the best player in the world right now. There is no denying that she is God tier. Um, and yeah, it just showed that they won the, the competition Um not because of their management, but in spite of that and credit where credit's due, they deserved it more than anyone in my opinion. So yeah, overall, it was phenomenal to see that increase in in interest in the women's game, particularly, you know, for me watching people watch the Irish women, they probably wouldn't have known much about them before. So it's really, really great to see teams get their first opportunity to to play in the competition to make their mark and to win the hearts of fans because without that we would not have seen the massive change that happened in the Spanish FA for example as I mentioned before it was also a very very busy summer of transfers coming in people leaving contracts being extended we kind of covered this at the start of the season so I'm just going to fly through it uh, Amanda Illestat like I mentioned she joined from PSG it's taken her a bit of time to find her scoring form shall we call it I think defensively she's looked good and I think she's definitely going to be that um the replacement for Raffaele who we lost during the summer who joined Orlando Pride um very similar players I think in terms of their ability to score goals from their heads um and I do think Amanda Illestat will be there in that partnership with, with, with Leah Williamson when she's back from her injury yeah she's got two goals so far pretty happy with her her uh, appearance it's taken a bit of time but you know, I don't think that's on her. We've seen a lot of chopping and changing with that defence so far this season. So delighted she's finally getting into that goal scoring rhythm that we've seen her um, achieve with Sweden. So hopefully when there's a bit more stability in that back line, we will see a lot more goals and yeah, slightly more convincing defensive performances from her. Chloe Lacasse, I have to mention her. I think she's been an absolutely revolutionary signing. I think it's a bit unfair that she hasn't started so many games, but of course we have Beth Mead coming back. Beth Mead, top of the game in every sense she has to start. So it's almost a pity we didn't have Lacasse last season when we were missing Beth Mead, but what a player. I think she's she's looked, I mean, her goal against Man uh, Manchester United, excuse me, to get us that draw in our second uh, match day of the season in WSL. Exceptional. I think she shows so much fight, um, very intelligent player as well. And I look forward to having Champions League football, hopefully next season, <laughs> to see a bit more rotation of these super, super talented players. Of course, we have to mention Alessia Russo as well, who joined just before the World Cup got underway. Um, I don't know. I think there's been a lot of questions over Russo. She hasn't 
scored as many goals I think as people want her to or this that the other but look I think she's a very different player she's not an out and out she reminds me of uh, Jesus for the men's team you know I think the difference between her and maybe Blackstenius is Blackstenius is an out and out number nine where I think Leslie Russo plays really well in that 10 role that bit deeper would be I'm super super excited to see her play with uh, with Minima I think once Minima's back up and you know ready to start games in the WSL she's at that level of fitness I think that's going to be really interesting dynamic front two option you know whether we start that as a 2-2 or we have Russo in the number 10 role or Miedemann in the number 10 role and they rotate throughout the game I think that's going to be very very exciting I think I don't know I'm very happy with her off the ball play I think maybe there's some games where I think her finishing could be a bit sharper but that's going to come with time she's not really a 30 goals a season striker is she but phenomenal we cannot criticize her she's she's brought a lot of hunger um another dynamic as well because we think back to last season we really only had Blackstenia's once Miedema picked up her injury and you know in tough situations we'd be playing Jen Beattie as a striker so it's really great to have that uh, rotation there um Cooney Cross as well has come in I'm delighted she's getting a run of games she looks phenomenal really really great player uh, she's very young so there's a lot to come from her but I think if you think you know a few a few years in the future we're going to have maybe a midfield of Plova, Cooney Cross and Cool, which is phenomenal such great young players and of course we have Laia Codina who joined from Barcelona we haven't seen much of her um, she definitely seems to be more of a squad player she did get a start in the I believe it was the United game um, but that was a game of a lot of rotation so yeah I think there's a lot more to come from her and she'll definitely be important in some of the cup games in addition to the transfers that have come in we've seen a lot of players extend as well which is a great sign to show that players are committed to the club and that they're happy to continue on Manum, Catley, Ford, Beatty and of course Katie McCabe there was rumours of Katie McCabe leaving last Christmas it was to join Chelsea Oof. Uh, thank god she didn't but yeah no I think overall you have to be delighted with with the the players we got in the players who have extended their contracts to stay with Arsenal because it shows that they really believe in the project that's being built in the team that Jonas Einewald is building and look if you just look at where Arsenal is in terms of the brand of football not just, I wouldn't say just nationally but also internationally Arsenal football are uh, women's football excuse me they are a force to be reckoned with in terms of the women's game there's there's no denying that we're massive it's huge and I think any player would be delighted to be a part of such a well-run organization um, that has so many amazing fans you know so it's great I think in terms of the signings we've got in is there more to come? I do think there's more to come, but we've also got those players back, like with Minima, uh, Kim Little as well, who was injured for a good chunk of the season last year, and Beth Mead. And pff, I mean, I say it every time, every time Beth Mead scores, it feels like just this euphoric. Imagine if she hadn't been injured last year. That's all I think about. But anyway, nevertheless, we have that really great squad depth now. <sighs> and yeah, you would think, you would think that there's no reason to, to not be able to go on and push in every competition that we're in one thing I do want to mention as well is of course that Champions League disappointment in the summer that you know was it was in between the start of the season players coming in two weeks after the the World Cup final um yeah 
we played, I can't even remember the name of the Swedish team that we played. We won there. It wasn't great, very convincing. And then we went on to play FC Paris. And I have to say, credit where credit's due, they are flying this year. They put us out in the group stages, group qualification stages. They went on to the knockout phase to qualify for the Champions League and they put out Wolfsburg. So despite getting to the final last year, Wolfsburg finished second in their domestic league and they had to qualify and FC Paris have put them out. Um, FC Paris also picked up a win against, I believe it was Paris Saint-Germain. Let me just double check that now. See Paris. So they're absolutely flying. They are doing so, so well, uh, despite being... um, I think it was I think they finished third in the in the French league last season. Um women's team. I'm just googling this here now. Yeah, they bet Real Madrid in Madrid in Madrid um in match day 4 of the uh, sorry, they actually bet them twice. They bet them 2-1 at home and then they bet them 1-0 away. They are absolutely flying. What an achievement for them. I think credit where credit's due. We have to we have to hold our hands up and say we went out to a great team who are putting up a fight against against um some of the big big players in women's football in Europe. Now, of course, do I think we could have had a chance to qualify? I think if you look at some of the teams, we definitely have with all due respect a bit more quality than some of the teams that are playing in the competition. However, it's on us. We didn't, we finished third in our domestic league last year. Again, I think another issue that needs to be addressed is the timing of the qualifications two weeks after the World Cup. Um, I don't know how many players Paris FC had at the World Cup, but we had a lot. And if you think, if you think back to it, you know, we had players who went all the way. They were playing for England, um, um, Sweden, Australia in those final two games of the World Cup. So they were coming back, you know, tired, exhausted. And again, I don't think I don't think uh, scheduling did us any favors in that respect. However, the focus this year should be on finishing as high up the table as possible to ensure that we get Champions League football next year. So let's turn our attention to this season. We'll run through the first few games of the season, how I think we're doing. You know, the the midpoint, um, I suppose. Uh, performance recap and of course I will mention those two games that we had against Spurs last week so obviously going into the season that Champions League dread that Champions League disappointment was hanging over us a little bit and I think we got off to a pretty slow start obviously losing at home to Liverpool um at the Emirates Stadium I was at that game it was very disappointing I do feel like it was still that bit of yeah, Champions League uh, World Cup hangover a lot of new players a lot of players come back from injury we hadn't really gelled yet. Still not an excuse. I think Liverpool played very well on the day. They 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 defended exceptionally well. We had no chance, but we didn't really create much. It was a really frustrating game. Um, following that, we took on Manchester United away and we did manage a draw. That was the game that... Um, um, who? <laughs> Chloe Lacasse. Sorry, guys. My, my brain is not working. Chloe Lacasse did score that absolute screamer to secure a point there. And then after that, we went on a run of... Yeah, seven games um, unbeaten. We had, of course, the standout one here, I think, is that's 6-2 victory over Leicester away from home. It did take us seven games before we could keep a clean sheet. That was a big concern. Obviously, the goalkeeper situation is going to be discussed um, when we talk about transfers coming up. Yeah, we were able to beat Chelsea 4-1 at home um Chelsea who had been undefeated throughout the season 
And that all came crashing down then last week on the 16th of December against Spurs, who bet us 1-0 away from home. That's the first time Spurs had ever beaten us, not just in the WSL, but in any competition. We did leave it a bit late to secure the victory in the Conti Cup during the week, midweek. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail about the games, because to be honest, I didn't watch them. I was traveling. Um, But yeah, it's kind of a disappointment there. And just in the Conti Cup, we won 3 it was 3-3 and we won on penalties. So, you know, obviously going out on penalties against um, FC Paris in the Champions League qualifiers. I think that was hanging over a lot of people. Um, so at least we were able to pick up a point there. Top of our Conti Cup group. And at the moment where we stand in the WSL following our loss is in third position. Um, we are just behind... Uh, Manchester City we're equal on points with them but they have a better goal difference than us and Chelsea are in top with uh, three more points than us because they bet uh, who did they play last weekend I can't even remember sorry guys this is a bit thrown together not very well <laughs> researched but yeah that's basically how the WSL league is looking where we are in terms of positioning and I will pull up the league for us now so we can see where everyone is. So like I said, Chelsea are top, Man City are second, Arsenal are in third, equal on, level on points, but where's goal difference? We then have Manchester United in fourth, Liverpool in fifth. I think Liverpool are doing extremely well this season. They're on level on points with Man, Man United. Um, Spurs are in sixth then, thanks to their three points that they picked up against us. Everton in seventh, Leicester City in eighth. Aston Villa are climbing slowly but surely up. Again, very, very strange to see them down there considering how strongly they were doing last season. They're in ninth, Brighton in 10th, West Ham in 11th and Bristol City, the newly promoted team, are sitting in the relegation zone but they are purely there because of goal difference. They have three goals, minus three goals. How do I put this? They have minus 16 goals and West Ham have minus 13. So they have three goals more conceded. Does that make sense? Um, Then West Ham. So that's how the table's looking. Again, some big surprises there. I think Liverpool and Aston Villa, their positioning. Uh, City are doing well also. Arsenal, I think, you know, had we had you said to us at the start of the season, picking up that loss against... Um, against Liverpool and the draw against United, we would have taken that for sure. Like I said, the main goal this season is without Champions League football pushing to get into the, those positions to ensure we get it next season. So that means winning the league or getting into second, but nothing's guaranteed. So hopefully they look, I mean, there's talk about them re rejigging and reshaping, but still you, you want to ensure where it's possible that we get um, Champions League football, because I think that's a main massive, massive draw for a lot of players who um, want to join Arsenal. So yeah, that's basically where we're at in the season. Like I said, in terms of um, the League Cup, we're doing well. We're top of our group there. We had some not so easy games, let's say. Um, we took on, who did we take on? Southampton, that was a very tough game. We took on Spurs, that we were able to get the win there thanks to the draw, uh, thanks to the penalties, I mean. Other than that... I don't think we've been in any other competitions, have we? I'm just trying to think. Mm -mm -mm. No, that's where we're at now. So that has been the quick recap of 2023 overall. Like I said, there's been so many highlights. There's been so many great, great moments. But then, you know, you, you, you go and you play Chelsea, you beat them 4-1, and then the week later you lose to Spurs. 
Um, you sell out the Emirates, you have a new WSL record, and then you lose at home to Liverpool on the opening day. Look, it's it's great that the league's competitive. It's great that the gulf between teams isn't there so much. But the question really for me is where when where do we draw the line? Where do we say, okay, the, the gulf between teams is is decreasing, is becoming more competitive, and where do we say that the players are becoming complacent? If they can do it against Chelsea, top, 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 top of the league. Um, thriving in Europe why aren't we able to do it against Spurs anyway that's that's my thoughts Um, highlight for me would have to be that Champions League game against Wolfsburg like I said we need to be back in it next year because the atmosphere in those games is just second to none and it makes you realise how much the game is growing Um, yeah <laughs> that's how I feel don't want to focus on any lowlights really but um, yeah overall I think we have so much to be proud of this year. Uh, smashing records, getting players back from injury, you know, getting great players to sign for us despite not having Champions League football, not being guaranteed for Champions League football. You look at Lesia Russo, she left second place Man, uh, Man United last season to join Arsenal. And it just shows you the legacy and the reputation of this club will forever proceed, you know, the, the, the current situation, shall we say, of where we're at. So really proud of that. The girls have been phenomenal um oh yeah and it gets you get emotional thinking back on it but for me like I said that Champions League game has to be top of the list of 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 um of highlights so the only last thing really to cover is what do we need to expect in January so obviously we're on our Christmas break now um games will continue on the 14th of Jan when we face uh, Watford in the fourth round of the FA Cup we're back in WSL action then on the 20th against Everton away it's a busy month January so yeah we've Everton on the 20th 24th we have our final WSL um, Cup so the, the Conti Cup game against Reading playing away and on the 28th of Jan we take on Liverpool time for the revenge tour um, there so yeah busy 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 few few weeks at towards the end of January there um, another thing that we have to focus on as well is of course the transfer window the January transfer window so um, yeah what is there to say there I think the massive question is will Arsenal be getting a goalkeeper will Mary Earps be joining the Gunners reason for the I suppose prolonged interest in in this is of course um, we got Alessia Russo from United last the, the summer just gone and she came on a free because um, despite Arsenal making a record transfer um, what's the word bid yeah that's the word thank you <laughs> record transfer bid for her in January United thought they were going to be able to keep her that didn't happen and I think you know they can't afford to lose Mary Earps in the same in the same way so it's very very likely that we will see her join if not Arsenal, we will see her leave in the summer if she's not staying, sorry, in January, if she's not staying with United. Um, there's no secret that I think the goalkeeper situation at Arsenal has been very inconsistent. It's been, Manuela Zinsberger is a great goalkeeper, but her performances have been below par and have cost us a few games, if we're being completely honest. Um, and you would wonder if that is due to the lingering uncertainty regarding her position as number one if Mary Earps were to join I personally would love to see it I think Mary Earps is a phenomenal keeper um she's a, she's an icon really and I think 
the level of support you would get at Arsenal would be second to none. It would be incredible. One issue that we do have, though, is Arsenal are at the 25-player registration limit. That has been an issue since uh, the summer with our player, Gio. She was meant to go on loan, but that fell through and she has not been registered to to be part of the squad. So what does that mean for Arsenal? If we are to sign Mary Earps, players need to go out. And I think that's, you know, whether it's whether it's on loan, we, our squad is bulging now with, with players coming back from injury, with new signings. Despite that, I think two two positions need to be addressed. As I mentioned, goalkeeper and probably right back as well. I do think Katie McCabe is doing a decent job covering there. Um, Maritz is good as well. I don't think she's consistent enough and I don't think she's good enough to be starting every game. I personally prefer Katie on the left. Um, that's just my opinion. And I think right back could definitely be addressed. As we mentioned, players will probably have to go for that to happen. Now, one rumour that has been floating around is Freedom Onum potentially joining PSG. Whether that happens or not, I'm not sure. Um, I don't think she's been in the same form that she was last season. Again, it's tough. A lot of players had poor World Cups. She was playing with Norway. There was a lot of question marks over them there. Um, and yeah, it's just tough to know where players, which players will go because I think every player deserves to stay in my opinion obviously I don't want to ship anyone out I think you know maybe some of the younger players who could benefit from a loan spell that would be the best way to address this issue because I do think and a lot of people are saying it the number one issue at Arsenal at the moment is the goalkeeper we need to get either clarify the the, the situation with with Mary Earps either she's coming in or she's not and if she's not then allow Zinsberger to no, for for sure that that is her position as number one. It's not fair to keep it dragging on, uh, in my opinion. So yeah, it's going to be busy January for sure. I do hope that we get some good signings in. Don't want to see anyone leave, like I mentioned, particularly Freedom Onum, if that rumor is true. But um, look, it has to be done. If it has to be done, it has to be done. And I think yeah, Jonas Eidevelt has played. Uh, played it quite coy recently saying yeah I can see us having players in and out in January he hasn't mentioned any names he hasn't said who or where but um yeah I think goalkeeper is probably our number one issue that we need to address and like I said it's it's coming in thick and fast and after the Christmas break um up against Wofford so I'll probably cover the Wofford game and the Everton game in one go but until then I just want to thank everybody for their support listening to the podcast sharing it liking it and yeah, if you want to get in touch in any way, it, the email address is ladiesinredpod at gmail.com. And there's also a Instagram page with the same name, Ladies in Red. I will tag them both in the description. Please apologize, or please accept my apology for my very croaky voice. Like I said, a lot of traveling, a lot of partying, a lot of socializing. But I just wanted to take a bit of time to reflect on an amazing year for women's football. Let's keep pushing. Let's keep bringing it to the next level. Keep supporting Arsenal. And yeah, have a lovely Christmas and I will see you all in January. Bye.